Welcome to the Every Day is a New Day podcast and live show. The inspirational show about moving forward and choosing to be more of you. Transmuting the self-doubt and stepping into courageously aligned confidence in who you uniquely are. My name is Kim O'Neill. I'm a twice-certified transformational confidence coach, Reiki master, best-selling author, and former crime analyst who now helps empathic, heart-centered individuals shatter the noise of self-doubt, find clarity on what self-love really looks like, and the courage to be peacefully grounded in who you've always known you are from the inside out. Join me for the live shows on Facebook and YouTube and visit KimO'NeillCoaching.com for more info. Let's get to it. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Every Day is a New Day show. Once again, I am very happy to be here with you today and especially with today's guest. If you like inspirational stories, you are in for a treat. And with that, we have so much we're going to talk about today. I don't know that we'll get to, we'll be sharing all of her story, but um, you're going to love what comes through today. We are going to be talking about keys to feeling worthy of success. So just file that one away. We're going to come right back to that. But as I like to do with this season of the show, we're going to first take a moment to call back your energy, center yourself, and shake off yesterday. So just take a moment with me right now. You can either just, you can set the intention, you can literally shake your body, but calling back your energy into this present moment supports you in being in your highest power, leaving yesterday behind, leaving the five minutes before today's show behind, the two seconds before you clicked on this, whatever it may be, so that you can fully receive in this moment what is here for you. And oh, I hope you took a moment to do that. Okay, let's go ahead. I want to share a quick little inspirational quote. Today, I have a Brene Brown quote I'd like to share with you. Self-awareness and self-love matter. Who we are is how we lead. Ooh, that's kind of a big one, right? Self-awareness and self-love matter. Who we are is how we lead. And that's from Brene Brown. And um, that felt that felt a bit fitting with today's topic. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and share with you a little bit more about today's guest. Today's guest is Cindy J. Holbrook, and then we'll be bringing her on in just a moment here. Cindy J. Holbrook is known as the visibility whiz. She guides entrepreneurs to thrive as they go up the ladder from being the best kept secret to trusted expert. Her clients benefit from her empowering systems and strategies that enable them to honor their own integrity and attract their ideal clients while building a fun and profitable business. She's been featured on Huffington Post Live, the Women's Speaker Association TV, eHarmony, Prevention, and a guest on numerous other summits, as well as hosted her own. I was, once was a guest on those. And she is the author of her new book, Overcoming Dark Family Secrets, Journey from Worthy from worthless to worthy, which is her story of overcoming a traumatic past to become a successful businesswoman. And that's just a little bit about Cindy. So with that, we're going to go ahead and bring her up on screen. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here today. <sighs> I, um, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, what? I, I, if, and I want to remind everyone too. anybody who has been following the show, you know, we've been 
we've been evolving this show ever since 2015. Cindy J was first a guest on the Everyday is a New Day show back in 2018. So, you know, if you like what you hear today, and I know that you will, and you want to learn more about Cindy, definitely check out that conversation because I, I remember that also being a really deep, awesome conversation. So, yes. So, Cindy, we are here today talking about the keys to feeling worthy of success. And before I ask you any specific questions, I guess I just want to kind of get your general thoughts on, like, why? Why did you want to talk about this today? I think there's a lot of people out there, uh, even like per se and sharing my book, there's so many hurting people and there's so many people living in the past and living a life not of their choosing, but living a life based on lies they was lead, led to believe in their past. So a lot of people that I've spoken to, they don't feel worthy of success because of all this stuff. And once somebody has the right tips and strategies that help them um, leave the past behind, we can never change our past, but we can rewrite it. And so once people start rewriting their past, uh, then it's really easier for them to boost to success, whatever success is to them. Success isn't, to me, success is just, to me, success is being happy and living a life of my choosing. I love that. And that, that really brings up too. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people that, that, that definitely defines and speaks to my <laughs> definition of success as well. Um, but what that also brought to mind as you shared that is just this remembrance that we're all going to have maybe a little different version of what success mm -hmm. means. And what you just shared really brings to the forefront of how important it is to know, yeah, what is my truth? What is important for me? So Anyway, so with that, I, you know, I definitely want to say hello to all of our live viewers. I know we've got some people with us here today. Um, definitely let us know what your takeaways, questions, or ahas are throughout today's conversation. But Cindy, I want to get into it and I want to ask you, um, let's take this conversation a little deeper. The keys of feeling worthy of success. You've already started to talk about the past. How does a person's past trauma affect their success beyond what you've already shared? Is there anything else that comes up when I ask you that? How long do we have now? But <laughs> um, back years ago, I was at an event and it was a Bill Barron. It was the big shift. During this event, uh, on the third day, he took out all the seats and all of the tables. And then he had all of us stand on one side of the wall. There was like 800 people there. And he said, okay, whenever I make these statements, take one step forward. So the statements were like, I've been lied to. I've lied to somebody else. I've been abused. I've abused someone else. I've been neglected. I've been rejected. Um, just all these questions. I don't, I mean, he asked probably about 15 minutes worth of questions, but they were all along this line. And basically it was for all of us to know that we're all the same. We all have experienced these different things. Very few people, you know, I mean, Nobody was just standing on the wall by the end of the 15 minutes. Most people were close to the other wall, if not already to the other wall. But during this, I just started sobbing. This gentleman came up to me. He was about seven foot tall. His name was Eric. And he said, can I hug you? And then I started sobbing uncontrollably. At the end of the exercise, Bill said, is there anybody that wants to share? 
Uh, Eric and I were staying way in the back of 800 people, and I really felt compelled to share, and I told Eric I want to share. So Eric rose his hand because he was definitely seen. He went up to stage with me because he was like my security blanket at this time, and I started by saying, it dawned on me that I've been playing small because I was afraid of big, strong men. So everybody in the audience started laughing, and oh. then I went on to say that I was physically, sexually, mentally abused by my father growing up. I was also sexually abused by two family friends, got married at 18 to a man much like my father, minus the sexual abuse. And I knew that, you know, I was always afraid if I tried to play too big in business or in life, that men would just squash me like an ant. So I held myself back because I didn't want to be squashed. Um, but when, and at events, I said, I know typically I have this invisible sign up that says to men, don't talk to me, don't touch me. Right. Because I was very used to women coming up and hugging me. I was very used to, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm a big hugger. Right. So it's like, I had no problem with that, but men typically at conferences stayed away from me, but I know I had this invisible sign because I was afraid of them. Um, and so when Eric approached me at that time, I said, when Eric approached me and asked me to hug me, something inside of me broke. That's what I said on stage. I do realize that something inside of me healed. But at the time I said broke, there was a gentleman that was at my lunch table who felt inspired to get up on stage and hug me. So within a two minute period, there was about 70 men on stage surrounding me with unconditional love. So, I mean, it, this was a huge healing moment for me. Afterwards, it was also the very first time I ever spoke publicly about my past. Afterwards, a lot of people started coming up to me like, and I was only up there maybe two, three minutes tops, right? But they're like, oh, you know, what you shared really helped heal me. What you shared helped me understand my wife or my sister or my mother. And it was just really amazing to me. So at that point in time, I knew that I had to share all of my story because if three minutes on stage helped one person, how much could all of my story help multitudes? So the fact that you're able to say just, and I want to say a little bit, you, you shared a lot, but the fact that you're able to share just that little bit, because I know mm -hmm. there's more, if you wrote a whole book on it, um, <laughs> without breaking into tears says a lot for your degree of healing. So mm -hmm. kudos to you. Um, that is, oh, wow. Um, that's powerful, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> okay. My next question I want to ask you is even though we can never change our past, you've already started talking about this as well. We can rewrite it. And that is such a beautiful, powerful thing that I, Everyone mm -hmm. needs to know. Everyone needs to know that we get to we get to change our story. We get to rewrite it. So, will you share a little bit more about about rewriting our past? And again, our past is just what it is. And so many of us we stay stuck forever because of our past, and we prevent ourselves from doing things and really leading a life of our choosing. So, even in your um, in rewriting your past, a lot of that has to do with really knowing and embracing the fact your life is your choice. And at any given time, we have the ability to turn the page and write a new chapter of our life. 
I was 35 years old the first time anybody told me my life was my choice. I thought the woman was crazy. At that time, I was still grieving over four deaths in my family within the previous two years. Um, a daughter who was very rebellious and in getting involved in gangs, a husband who um, told me he didn't love me anymore and was having at least an emotional, if not a sexual affair with another woman who at one time I thought was my friend. And um, so I was suicidal. I was depressed. I wasn't sleeping. And somebody says, your life is your choice. I'm like, nobody, but nobody, but nobody is going to choose my life right now. Like, right? Nobody. And so I thought she was crazy, but this is what started my own personal development and my own personal growth journey. And in rewriting my past, we can't change what happened, but we put a lot of emotion to our past. Uh, Like you said that whenever I shared my story without crying, that showed you how much emotional healing I've done. When we are talking about our past, we get really connected to it emotionally, you know, um, for so many different reasons. But when we can step back and look at our past from an objective point of view, I always like to say, imagine you have a, a little neighbor, little 12-year-old nosy Nellie, and she reports on everything that happens. How is she going to report your past? Yeah, She's not going to report it with all the feelings and the emotions or like, how could he do with me, do that to me? I will tell you, and actually it took until 2019 for me to heal from this one thing, which is, is really bad with one of the friends, the first time a family friend abused me, I was very confused. And I, my dad kept me quiet by saying, if my mother ever found out, I would kill her. So when this other person abused me and I didn't like it, I wanted to share it with somebody. And so, you know, my little seven or eight year old self felt uh, safe telling my dad because he was already messing with me. So whenever I told my father that somebody else messed with me, he looked at me and said, did you enjoy it? Oh, God, Cindy. And so that was the most difficult thing for me to let go of. And I was like, even really surprised. And this, this statement is also what held me back from a lot of me feeling worthy. Um, in 2019, uh, I lived in California. On July 4th, 2019, well, go back real quick. Is I said, you know, I always had this thing where I thought that I had to act like my father was a good man. You know, this was part of my training of what I had grown up with because I had to protect my mom, right? So it was like, I always had to act like my dad was a good person. And I always had my mother and father's picture on my fireplace. My current husband could never understand this, but it was like, hey, I wanted them him there. So my husband let him there. On July 4th, 2019, we had a 6.4 earthquake. I was right on top of the epicenter. So it was, you know, I've been in lots of 6.4 earthquakes. But during the earthquake, my father's picture fell off of the fireplace. Mom's picture stayed up there, but dad's fell off. So as I picked up dad's picture and put it back up on the fireplace, I'm sort of half joking, half not telling my husband, I go, maybe the universe is telling me it's time to retire my father. And we laughed about it, but I put him back up on the fireplace because that's where he belonged. The next day, July 5th, 2019, we had a 7.1 earthquake. Now, this is a massive, massive earthquake and being right on top of an earthquake that big, it was definitely the scariest moment of my life. The news said that like where I was, because I was on top of it, I was three miles from the epicenter, and that the energy put out the same, 
the Earth put out the same amount of energy as 50 Hiroshima bombs. So that tells you how much energy is released during a huge earthquake. Wow. And uh, so after this, you know, I mean, it it did damage our house. Um, there was a gas leak in our street and our gas meter got shoved like a foot away. So there was like some damage. And my husband's like, why don't we just go to Amy's house and decompress? Amy lives in Las Vegas. It's my daughter. So we okay. went to Amy's house to decompress. She has a friend that's also a coach. His name's Buddy. And so I'm telling Buddy about my dad's picture with the 6.4 earthquake. He's like, Cindy, I want you to get a really, close your eyes and get a really good picture of your father standing right in front of you. And tell me whenever you've got a picture of him really clear. I'm like, okay, I've got it. He goes, how do you feel? And I said, disgust. And he goes, so how's that working for you? Having a picture in your living room that disgusts you. Right. And again, this is, is part of I was like trying to, I was still living in the past, trying to act like my dad was a good person to people like, hey, he had good parts, too. When, um, you know, by like having his picture up, it was right. like I believed that I had to love him. Yeah, I believed that I had to love him and and forgiving him. There was just so many emotions. So when we got home about four days later, when we went after we decompressed and went back home to assess the damage, my father's picture fell off the fireplace and broke in a thousand different pieces. My mother's picture stayed on the fireplace. In addition to that, in my office, I had a glass picture frame with uh -huh. my, my children bought it for me and it has their pictures in it. And uh -huh. it says, I love you, mom. That fell, but it did not break. And I know I was thinking, God, University didn't have to send me a 7.1 earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> but that really like hit me. It's like, so I like, it, it was like really helped me to heal and clean up. But right after that, I seen a therapist who did some EMFDB with me. Oh, and, good. And when I movement, decent, I always forget the letters. I movement, desensitization. EMDR? That's it. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. I knew what you meant. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, and I was telling him like about the earthquake and everything. And in talking with me, we determined the biggest thing that was still like keeping me 100% stuck was whenever my father told me, asked me if I enjoyed it. So by the end of this session with the therapist, I was like, like screaming, I am worthy. I am worthy. I am worthy. It was like, it was to me, one of the most interesting parts but after that i had so much magic and miracles happen in my life that it was crazy just like boom 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 Ugh. i sold my house when my house wasn't even for sale literally <laughs> wow I, it's like we were looking in prescott arizona for a place to move to we to rent so our plan was to move to prescott rent a place and then fix up our house and sell it would live there for over 20 years and it needed some tlc but because we have a parrot, you can't fix up the house because it would kill the parrot. So we could not be in the house and like paint and oh wow, do new carpeting that. and all the stuff because it, and that's my husband's baby. He's had her since 1990. They live to be about 50 or 60 years, 70 years old. But he, um, so you know, this way we wouldn't have to worry about her. And so somebody knocks a. a Flipper knocked on our front door and said, are you interested in selling your house? And he gave us an offer, which this was the kicker of it. 
every January 1st, I write out, or I write a story to myself about what I want the year to be like, but I do it in future tense. So, so it, this was in last year, it was in 2020. So I wrote, today's January 1st, 2021. The year was great. You know, we fixed up the house, we sold it within a couple of weeks, and I got X amount of dollars profit. And the amount that this flipper offered me was that X amount of dollars worth of net profit. So I didn't even have to fix up the house, right? I just got the net profit. And um, so whenever you start healing and you start feeling worthy, it's like you're living a whole new world. It's crazy what stuff happens to you um, during that process. So in rewriting your past, again, it's rewriting it to where... um, it's rewriting it to where you feel good about whatever, you know, has happened, but that you're accepting it and you're seeing it as it was up until that point, And I had forgiven my father a lot. And people tell me that I haven't forgiven. Some people like to tell me I haven't forgiven my father. Can I cuss on your show? Yes, go right ahead. <laughs> I just say my father's a motherfucking bastard. This is part of my healing and people don't understand that. This is part of me. You know, I understand that, you know, he had some good points. I understand that my cousin, she always tells me, God, man, you're knocking my uncle Frank off that pedestal I had him on. But he was not a good father to any of us. In writing my memoir, Overcoming Dark Family Secrets, and whenever I started writing it and I bought this book that says how to write a memoir. And it said, you can't just make a a bad person bad. You can't make the villain 100% bad. You have to make them human. You have to show some good parts. And I have some good memories of my dad sort of as an adult, but I spoke to my sister for four hours and we could not come up with one good thing he did while we were kids. So it was very interesting, you know, because I wanted to make him look more human, but I couldn't from our perspective. Because of he was just really not a good person to us. He didn't know how to be a good father. I do realize um, something happened in his, something had to have happened in his past to make him the way he was. Because I, I personally do not believe any baby is born evil. Nobody. I believe that babies are born pure and innocent and worthy. I mean, would you ever look at a baby and say that baby's unworthy? Never. Yeah. And I believe that we are all worthy, but I believe. It's our perspective of things that happen. And we make up these lies. A lot of lies are other people's voices or they are, um, or they're just people that are, you know, think they're protecting us by saying, you, you can't achieve this. You can't do that. Who are you to think you can make a million dollars online, right? People like that or the people that, um, you know, but these are their problems, you know, oh, right. you don't know enough to teach about that. You know, these are the naysayers. But yeah. then we, I call the naysayers the people that's outright. My sister-in-law exactly told me this. I don't know why you wrote a book about your life. I would never share that. I think you're really stupid for doing that. <gasps> thank you. I mean, this was her exact word. She said I was stupid for sharing my story. Oh, and I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, um, I know that, that she has not healed from her own past, you know, I know, and, and you do have to look at it, but you have to look at it and you have to detach yourself from it. My father abusing me was not a reflection on me. Um, 
the, some of the things that he did to my siblings, he, it was not a reflection on them. It right. was a reflection on who he was. He was a very twisted, unhappy person that took it out on his children. He did not drink. So he didn't even have, you couldn't even say, oh, he was drunk and didn't know what he was doing. He didn't drink. I seen my father wow. drink once in my entire life, literally once in my entire life. So I'm like, he didn't drink. He didn't have that as an excuse. He never hit my mother. I never once heard him and my mother yell. So it was like, so people seem per se that, you know, my this side of him, like, you know, he never hit my mom. He was a good provider. Uh, he didn't drink. But the things he did to us behind closed doors were just horrible. Um, it's so, Cindy, okay, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of don't want to stop you, but I, I do want to add this part. Um, thank no you. Just for first off, again, thank you for everything you're sharing. It's mm -hmm. so powerful and awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that's really standing out for me is, so is the 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 aspect of emotions and feeling your yeah. emotions, and and along with that comes your truth. And I want to bring that up right now because right now I have been doing solo episodes where I read excerpts from um, I have right here Abraham Hicks' book, The yeah. Astonishing Power of Emotions. Mm -hmm. And um, for anybody who's interested in that, then yes, you you know stay tuned because there's more to come. Um, <laughs> but it's it's all intertwined about yeah. allowing yourself to feel your emotions so that you can then attract those things that you do desire in your life. And I think there can be, um, for some people kind of this degree of confusion because, um, there's, cause you like through your story, you've brought up this denial of emotions. Right. And so mm -hmm. we may think that, okay, you know, if I'm supposed to, right? Honor my emotions. I don't know. I, I know that just depending on certain people's circumstances, it can be like, oh, I need to always feel happy. But what I love about your story is it's, you were denying that, no, this felt like disgust. This felt right. awful. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, you know, making myself think that I have to like, feel good about this person or the situation, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. And, and so I just know, I, I, I just, I guess I want to highlight that. I don't know if I'm actually articulating what I'm wanting to articulate here, but I, I know for some people there can be this confusion about um, emotions that don't feel good. And then, well, if I'm allowing myself to feel that I'm resisting, you know, everything else I want in my life. And if I, that somewhere in there, there could be this um, confusion about there's de de denial of emotions. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it's I, anything <laughs> extra for you. <laughs> I a hundred percent understand. I do believe you articulated it well. Okay. And so it's, it's, we do, we, we all have negative emotions mm -hmm. and we try to act like they're not there because right. we have to be happy and we, we have to be happy and we have to feel good about our emotions now, but sometimes, and sometimes, you know, we struggle back and forth with them. And what happens is when we are children, trauma is trauma. And I don't care if it's a child or not, but whenever you, we've all, every single person in life has experienced some sort of trauma. As human beings, our mind rates the trauma. People hear my story, they automatically rate it as a 10, like automatically, it's like a 10. However, they, they, there's little tiny things that happen to them or somebody said something to them that are just as bad because our bodies don't rate the trauma. So we're going to feel the same thing. We're going to believe the same lies. When I I wrote my, I want the background and then I'll just show this point. But when I was six years old, I wrote a little two-page story 
I had the chicken pox and I'm writing this story. And my mom liked it so much because she thought it was really good and imaginative for a six-year-old. So she put it in her special little brown box. And, you know, my mom, she always encouraged my writing and everything. Then when I was in sixth grade, I wrote a 50-page story that my teacher liked so much. She had me type it up and she put it in the school library and gave copies to all the other sixth graders. And she sent it to a publisher friend of hers. This publisher, this publisher sent me back a letter saying, you know, that I was a really good writer. I was very creative and I would reach success at an early age if I did not get discouraged. Mom also put that letter in her little brown box. Um, I lost these letters after she died. So it was sort of sad because she kept them for years. Okay. You know? um, so anyways, just before I got married at 18, I wrote a poem that I was going to read to my first husband. My father said, don't you dare read that poem at the wedding. You will be a laughingstock. You should never, ever let anybody read anything you wrote because you will be a laughingstock. So that prevented me from writing, for not from writing, from sharing my writing okay. with, for years. When I left my first husband 20 years later, I had written five books and I threw them away when I left Earl because nobody could ever read my writing because I didn't want to be a laughingstock. So one thing can really prevent your success yep. really big. In 2000, I opened up my first 2001, I opened up my first internet business and I was selling pewter figurines for a drop shipper, but I had to write descriptions, like enticing descriptions of all these figurines for people to buy them. So within three months, people were copying my descriptions and I thought, well, I must not be that bad of a writer if people are copying my descriptions. And so then I started, you know, writing more and more and, and it got to the point where now I wrote an entire book that I'm sharing with people, but you can find my writing everywhere online. And had I not been able to let go of that one lie about my writing, I would not be where I'm at today because we, we hear something and we can only hear it once and take it on as our own. Yeah. Another time in 2013, I was at a business conference. This woman tells me, um, Oh, gosh, Cindy, you should never wear that sweater in public because it makes you look fat and frumpy. Not something any woman wants to hear, right? Right. So I never wore it for a couple of years. I did not wear that sweater any place but inside my house. So I had some errands to run, threw on my sweater, go outside, and I'm doing this stuff. And I went to three or four different stores. At each store, somebody stopped me and told me how pretty the sweater was and how pretty I was in it. And I'm like... <sighs> Why am I letting this one person's opinion decide who I am? Again, this and, and this is all like with our emotions. We pick up that emotion and it stays in our body. And the emotion from my dad telling me that I would be a laughingstock. The emotion from this lady telling me not to wear the sweater because I'd feel fat and frumpy. So we're taking on these lies. Mm -hmm. um, and these lies lead to our emotions. Two things. <sighs> When we are, to, we have to feel our feelings. We've all been taught not to feel our feelings. Like, I don't think there's anybody around that's ever been said, my mom used to tell me this all the time. It's like, well, your brother teases you all the time because he knows that it gets a rise out of you. So just don't let him see that it gets a rise out of you. 
again, don't feel your feelings. Right. When my son was five years old, he went through this period and he hated me. He was like, I hate you, mommy. And I'm like, that's okay, Brian. I still love you. Right. This went on for like a month. He was just in this mode. My ex-husband was really upset because he thought that I should spank Brian. And I'm like, no, Brian's allowed to have his feelings. Let him have his feelings. I know he doesn't really hate me, but he can hate me, right? Um, so we did this for like a whole month. And once he figured out, okay, well, mommy doesn't care if I hate her or not. He decided to love me again. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Okay. <laughs> but uh, he still loves me a whole lot. But, <laughs> but it was just sort of, you know, funny. But again, my ex-husband, you know, he's like, you know, don't let him say that. So that's like blocking his feelings. Um, you know, especially with boys a lot. It's like, oh, boys don't cry. Right. You cry. But even with us girls, we're supposed to be quiet and pretty and nice and, you know, every, you know, all this stuff. So we're all taught not to show our, share our feelings and our emotions. So they get trapped inside of our body. There's actually a book called The Body. What's it called? The Body Remembers, I think. It's written by okay. a psychiatrist. But it really talks about how the body remembers everything that's happened to you and so you have to release these feelings because if you're sitting there saying i'm happy and successful and your body is your emotions are tearing you up and apart you're never going to be happy and successful because for some whatever reason the body overrides the brain yeah so you have to release your emotions from the body my favorite way to release the emotions from the body is simply and you have to verbalize it out loud but it's like I feel, I feel, I I feel angry because Earl cheated on me, right? So the first time I said this, it's like my body, my throat would contract, my stomach, you know, I feel nauseated. Your body says all kinds of stuff when you do this. But if I just sit there and I say it out loud, like for a real long time, sometimes it can take up to 20 minutes, but just keep saying, I, in the same exact statement over and over and over again, I feel angry because Earl cheated on me. I feel angry because Earl cheated on me. And you watch your body. And you, and a lot of people cry whenever it's really a feeling you have right that moment. Sometimes you'll cry. Sometimes you'll shake. Sometimes you'll tremble. It's not good feelings. But know whenever your body's reacting this way, this is all stuck emotions inside of your body. And, and once you start releasing these, it magic happens. I had a client when I was a divorce coach. Uh, she, when she came to me, her very on the first call we had, she's like, "Don't you dare ever tell me to forgive Steve. What he's done to me is unforgivable, and I will never, ever, ever forgive Steve. And don't you ever say that word to me." And I go, "No problem. I'll never tell you that." So she started doing this exercise, and she did it twice a day for 15 minutes with her feelings. And 30 days later, she goes, "Okay, I forgave Steve." It was really sort of funny um, because, because you keep all this anger and stuff inside of you or the sadness or and it, yes. it just lives inside of you. And you can tell by whenever you're talking about something in the past. And I always say, you know, that you've healed whenever you can talk about your past and your body doesn't react. Yes. And you've obviously seen that in me whenever I shared at the beginning. My body doesn't react. This is nosy Nelly reporting the facts and nothing but the facts without emotion. And this is how you rewrite your past. And it's how you let go of those negative emotions to clear the way. Um, to and, it can, and it can be that simple 
And yet simple is not always easy because there can be huge resistance to what I don't want to effing think about this. I don't want mm -hmm. to, I don't want to feel this shitty emotion or whatever. Mm -hmm. And let me just say that I typically don't cuss on this, on the show, but today there's an ex, there's an exception <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, and, and, and with that, I do want to just go back uh, earlier to what I was trying to say, I think I was trying to say something along the lines of some people have a resistance to feeling good emotions. Some people have resistance to feeling the yes. lower vibe emotions. It can go both ways. And, um, yeah. So, okay. So you uh, saying that, and, and, but I was speaking with a client earlier today and they, and I was telling them, you have to be grateful. She was like, I want enough money to do everything I want to do. Right. And I go, you have to be grateful for everything. It's like, you find a penny and it's like, yay, I found a penny. Yay. Right. That was Wayne Dyer. If you ever heard Wayne Dyer, right. Yeah. And says, wait, I found a penny. I have a penny. I'm a penny richer. Um, and she was like, yeah, I really need to adopt that because like I received a check from a client for 13,000 and I thought, why couldn't it be 20,000? Oh. Now this is like, <laughs> and that exactly shows the resistance to something good. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, so it's like, you know, I'm like, no, you be thankful for, you be thankful that somebody believes you're worthy of receiving a $13,000 check. Exactly. Okay. Okay. There was, okay. So I wanted to make another point when you were talking about, um, about, oh my gosh, this, this theme of, of people you've had in your life, basically squashing your voice, um, you know, tr saying things about you that are negative, um, mm -hmm. to, to minimize you, keep you small, right. To, yeah. to condition you to feel a certain motion that was really the, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, indicative of them and something that was true for them, but did not have to be true for you. And what I wanted to tie into that is, is absolutely, we've already highlighted the importance of allowing yourself to feel your emotions, but also really, you know, when we place value on someone else's voice, their opinions, their beliefs about something that pertains mm -hmm. to us, that also then contributes to the value that we have on what our own voice, our own intuition is telling us so that we can honor and feel our emotions. And to mm -hmm. me, that was, that's, that's a huge theme that shines through your story. Yeah. It's, it's honoring the emotions. Also to me, the beginning, the first thing is to me, it's like a vital part of it is number one, be aware of your thoughts. When my very first therapist I went to, had me set a timer and write down exactly what I was thinking at the time the timer went off. And you do this for a few days and you're going to notice patterns, right? And they're stupid. Pat well, my patterns were stupid. It was like none of them made sense really, but they were none of them were happy thoughts. They were, oh, Mary looks ugly today. Or Mary has too much lipstick on. You know, Mary thinks she's all that. Or <laughs> I don't know. they were just stupid, random thoughts that I was like, holy crap, no wonder I'm not being a nice person if I'm having all these negative thoughts that really had nothing even to do with my life. But obviously, obviously, I was trying to, because I was so unhappy and miserable. Do you I think that you were conditioned that way because other people kept projecting that onto you? Um, I think it was just at that point in time, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, it might have been, I could be wrong. Okay. I, I think at that time, it was... Um, it was, it was what I call my hell years, but it was actually the beginning of my healing whenever I just had like so many, so much bad stuff happen in my life and in my immediate family within a two year period that I just couldn't deal. Um, so I think that maybe some old thoughts came back. I'm not for sure, but it was definitely 
not nice thoughts. <laughs> oh my gosh. And also ask yourself whenever you be aware of your thought. Okay. What am I thinking? And then ask yourself, is it true? And then ask yourself, well, before you ask, is it true? Ask yourself whose voice is it? And yeah. then ask yourself if it's true. I love that because one. typically there are other people's voices. And sometimes we will fight tooth and nail for something we believe is true. And this is this really brought it to light is I somewhere in my lifetime decided my nephew was eight years younger than me. I thought my sister had him at 16. She's eight years older than me. So he was eight years younger than me. Right. Wow. So I turned 48 in June, a few years back. And then I, um, uh, Marty came to my house in July, his birthday's in August. It goes, so Marty, you're going to be the big 4-0. He goes, no, Aunt Cindy, I'm going to be 39. Marty, don't lie to me. I know how old you are. You're right. And I'm sitting here arguing with him. His kids are like, Aunt Cindy, honest, he's going to be 39. And my family likes to, I'm very, can be very vulnerable. And sometimes they can get me to believe crazy stuff. And I thought this is what they were doing to me, right? They were just trying to get me to believe something that wasn't true. And I am like yelling and screaming at Marty. Look, don't, I know that you're eight years younger than me. So don't tell me that you're not 40 and going to be 40. And so my husband's laughing at me like, Cindy, don't you think Marty knows how old you are? And I'm like, no, he's just trying to pull my leg. And this went on for an hour. And finally, Marty, he's just like, pulls out his driver's license. And he goes, Aunt Cindy, look at the year that I was born. And you tell me how old I'm going to be. And I'm like, holy crap, you're going to be 39. And I thought, if I'm believing something that I'm fighting with this kid over how old he is, if I believe that, what other lies are in my head that I'm believing? Mm. And these lies, a lot of these lies is what prevents our self-worth. It's, yes. We don't feel worthy of things because we're believing these lies. Like my father, you know, telling me about uh, that I would be a laughingstock if somebody read my writing, right? All these things are lies that we believe in. It conditions us with everything we do in our life. Okay. So Cindy, so I, um, I want to go back to, uh, I'm so glad you're here, Cindy. I just, I love stuff like conversations yeah, like this. Well, thank you, Kim. <laughs> yes, I do. My gosh. Um, Okay, so I, I want to go back to, we, we still are going to get to the, you have specific keys <laughs> to success. And we do want to highlight those, but there's just been so many good, um, um, amazing stories and insights and everything you've already shared. Um, and before we get to the keys to success, I want to just share something that's come to mind for me is, you know, you mentioned that you were trying to look for good things in, in your dad. And I um, in, mm -hmm. am in no way trying to make him be a good guy, but I... Uh, I want to just highlight if, if this is not something that you've seen, I, to me, the positive thing is that he was a massive teacher in helping you learn wow. how amazing and uh, not consciously in this lifetime, but I'm right. speaking spiritually on the, mm -hmm. on the soul level to, um, to contribute to you becoming this powerful speaker and teacher and have this amazing testimony mm -hmm. that can help heal and so many other people transform. So I just, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're in any way wanting something positive. Oh yeah, that, that doesn't, and I do know, and I have to focus again more on being an adult for whatever reason. Like I was very sick and my ex-husband wouldn't take me to the hospital. So my dad took me to the hospital, but oh, after wow. I had my hysterectomy, 
if I did not take my hormone pills, like by 10 o'clock in the morning, I was like this crazy woman. Uh, I was like forced into menopause at 30, right? And it just was like a really horrific wow. thing. So I forgot my hormone pills. And my dad drove 40, about 40 miles to my work to get my house keys, 30 miles back to my house to get my pills, back to my work. And then back home, like he drove a hundred and some odd miles to give me my pills. So that was a very nice thing. That's nice. So as an adult, I can definitely think of a few different things um, that he did that was really, you know, supportive of me. Um, and he did apologize to me before he died. <gasps> oh, oh, I'm so glad you have, you re were able to hear that and receive that. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. huge. Yes. Yeah. So it was, you know, just a very interesting, interesting ride that I had. And I see him for who he, he was. Um, you know, I don't know what broke him. I'll never know what broke him. Uh, before we were talking, you had speak, spoken about genealogy, that, that that's my yeah. hobby is genealogy. And I told you there's like, there's a story behind me even getting involved with genealogy, but I love genealogy. And I've traced my roots back, like I'm a direct descendant of William the Conqueror. You know, so I just, I love, love, love playing and finding out stories uh, about my family and my history, you know, where I came from. But after my parents died, I started just having all these questions and I started talking to my siblings. I'm the youngest of five children. My oldest brother was 12 years old when I was born. The second one was nine years old. My sister was eight. My youngest brother was four years older than me, so I gave him a break because he was only four. But none of them remembered me as a baby, none of them. And I'm like, I have lots of memories of being 12. And I'm like, you don't remember like a baby coming into your house? So I got this weird idea, like, was I adopted? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I just, it was, and my ex-husband being the not so nice person, he was, you're so stupid. You look too much like your, uh, I was called stupid a lot. Um, you're so stupid. You look too much like your siblings to, uh, to have been adopted. You look too much like your mom to have been adopted. So it was just really funny. I, and now I think it is funny because I know that I do look like all of them, okay. but I started doing genealogy. But what that did, and even talking with them and with the things that I found in genealogy, I came up with what I believe happened. Like, there is a lot of trauma in that family, a lot of trauma that happened when my mom was pregnant with me. And so um, that has created some havoc even in my own life because, you know, as, as, um, whenever we're growing in our mother's wombs, we yeah. pick up their feelings and their trauma and their hurt and their yeah. past. But I decided, and that's what I figured out is everything that happened, and you'll just have to read my book to find out everything that happened <laughs> uh, during this time. Uh, no wonder they don't remember me because life was hell. Life was pure hell for them. And they remember me when we moved to California. We moved to California when I was two. And that's where they all remembered me from. So I'm like, what happened to the first two years of my life? Nobody wow. remembered. Me. Okay, so, so you weren't adopted. Me. You, I wasn't adopted. Okay, so okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all you have to do, if, if like, um, you know, it's not my thing, but uh, anybody, like, if you go to my Facebook page, even look at my pictures, like I have a picture of my mom, you know, like, 
I mean, okay. my whole life, you know, whenever you work nine to five jobs, sometimes they have, or bring in a picture of your mom and let's try to see if we can determine whose mom is who. Yeah. Like, that's never going to work because I look exactly like my mom. Okay. Okay. Yeah. How funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, well, I, okay. So I, I'm, <laughs> I told, told Cindy at the beginning of the show, yeah, we're aiming for 30 minutes, but you know, if the conversation is great, we'll keep going. And clearly we are um, this. Okay. So so I want to say, Cindy, you mentioned that you're a descendant of William the Conqueror. And I will say that, no, I don't, I don't necessarily know the whole story of William the Conqueror, or, but just that title alone to me, um, it, I've become a big believer that, you know, family trauma, well, and I know research actually shows it. family yeah. trauma does, um, can follow us in our DNA and yeah. to show up down the line. And here you are before we went live today, I told Cindy, I said, Cindy, you are an effing warrior. And I know I don't even know your whole story. I just know snippets of it. And, um, Oh, and I, I believe everyone has access to this, but I just feel like this is so telling for your particular story. You're a descendant of William the Conqueror. Here you are being this, I just think such a warrior in healing your family mm. trauma. You, I mean, what you have been able to do in with your own life and your own trauma, healing mm. it and being this beautiful messenger has is absolutely contributing to those who now come after you. And it doesn't matter if to me, I'm going to say it doesn't matter if you've already healed, um, you know, after you had children, I mean, you're already having an impact on them, you know, that and they know that and just such a beautiful gift. And I think that so many people this so many people, these days, literally these days right now, um, are finding themselves being in some sort of space of healing their family trauma. And so I just, <sighs> and yeah. thank you. And that's what with, and thank you very much. I appreciate that with, that was my big thing with even writing my memoir. I didn't want it to be in a place where people's like, Oh, poor Cindy, she went through all this. And most of the books on abuse out there end when the abuse ends, but that's never the end of the story. I mean, I stayed like first from my father to my husband. It wasn't until my first husband, it wasn't until I was 35 even that I reckon or that I knew that my life was my choice where I started growing. My mom used to always say life starts at 40 and I go, my life definitely started at 40. Who I am today started at 40. Um, but it's, it's I know that I went through everything, but I didn't want just people thinking, you know, how horrible. But there's still, like I said, in 2019 with the earthquakes, like healed this last little part. But I don't believe anything pops up in your proverbial onion until mm -hmm. you're ready to face it. Yes. But then you need to face it and look at it and know that it's not you. And I didn't want mine just to be a story about me. I really wrote this book to help others heal. And in the book, I actually have, I think, 17 keys to worthiness. Now, okay. um, I do have the five keys, uh, yeah. a PDF that I'm going to be sharing with uh, with your audience that you can go and you can download the five keys to feel worthy of success and what these five keys are. And like I said, there's other ones. And my next book will definitely, my next book is going to be 21 keys to worthiness because all this, these worthy stuff came up whenever I was writing my book, my memoir. But Key number one is your life is your choice. Your life is your choice. And at any given moment, you can rewrite it. And knowing that your life is your choice doesn't mean that you are 100% in control of how you think and what and what you decide to do with what you think. 100% in control. Number two is to identify your best self. Um, a lot of times we look at 
our bad selves instead of our best selves. And in the free gift that you get, there are exercises in there for each of these different keys that you can do to help yourself grow. Um, but whenever you identify your best self, one of the best ways is to ask five people that you're close to to name five things that they really like about you, five of your characteristics they like, and five things that you can improve upon. Mm-hmm. Don't say, what are five things you don't like about me? Ask them five things that I can improve upon. Because you're and you're going to accept the things you can improve upon easier than you're going to accept the things they love about you. But I want you to embrace what they love about you. And because these are your key characteristic strengths for you. So identify your best self. Key number three is to create your own bill of rights. We, your own personal bill of rights. I have the right to be loved. I have the right to my own opinion. I have the right to be respected. I have the right to um, to share what I want to share. I have the right to like what I like. You know, that was hard yeah. for me. I was for 35 years, I wasn't allowed to like what I liked because I was always called stupid if I didn't like, if I liked stuff they didn't think I should like. Um, so all of these things. Key number four is set strong boundaries. We don't set boundaries because of these lies we're telling ourselves. If I do this, they're not going to like me no more. If I do this, I'm going to be, somebody's going to think I'm a bitch if I do this, so I can't do this. So we're constantly trying to please other people and we're saying no to ourselves and we're not setting boundaries. You need to set strong boundaries in both your personal and your business lives in order to grow. By setting a boundary, you're telling the world, I'm worthy. And so setting boundaries is really huge. And key number five is make peace with your past. And we've spoken a lot about that today. And that is um, making peace with your past, rewriting your past. Now, uh, we were talking about the voice earlier. When I was seeing, well, I really filed for um, a workers' comp thing. And like my boss was really like cruel and he even like hit me once with a case. Right. Okay. And, and so I filed this, this um, stress thing workers. So they had me go see this psychiatrist. And I thought, if I tell my psychiatrist, everything that I've overcame, he's going to see that all my stress is caused from work. So he writes back, uh. none of Cindy's stress is because of her work. It's all from her past. Anybody with a past like hers would be stressed out. And thinking, yeah, I don't know how my past made it to where this dude threw the case and hit me and said, um, he, he, was, he said racial slurs and racial remarks all the time, which really bothered me. I have a very interracial, let's say, family. You know, I have black grandchildren. I have a Hispanic grandson. My husband's Asian. Right. So you're talking people very close to me. And right. so I hated all the and that caused a lot of stress for me because, you know, it just did. But. This psychiatrist writes back, like, because of her past, because every time she mentioned her past, she would have a nervous laugh. Okay, so I hadn't healed from my past 100%, but I thought, come on, dude, like, I have dealt with a lot of stuff, and you're saying that this has to do with this. But fast forward, like, five years later, I had my first business coach, and you can only grow your business as fast as you grow yourself, and I learned that, like, really quick. My first business coach was Mary Allen. She is known as America's inner peace coach. So Mary brings up to me, you know, Cindy, every time you mention your past, you have this nervous laugh. So I was at a place then that I could receive it from her. 
And she's the one that really helped me make peace with my past because I still had so much anguish about so much stuff that I had to make peace with it and say, you know, I can't, even though I had accepted it, I hadn't made peace with it yet. Ooh, that, oh, God, man, that could be a whole conversation right there. Even though you'd accepted it, you hadn't made peace with it. Oh, that's so good. Yes. Okay, Sherry, thank you. Or, no, I called you Sherry right now. That's Cindy. Like, I can be Sherry today. No. <laughs> Whoever oh. Sherry is, I can be Sherry. No. <laughs> no, I think I was actually going to say the word sharing. Cindy, thank you for sharing all of those five keys to success and just going right into them since I was not introducing it because we just, I mean, there's so many other good things that you shared. I, I want to go ahead and say um, we've had a, lots of live comments throughout the show, and I just want to thank our live guest today. We have uh, Helene here who has been leaving lots of comments, and um, you know she started off with an amen, just loving the topic and saying hello, and thank you mm -hmm. uh, for everything you shared in the chat, Helene. We appreciate you. And hello yeah. to Michelle who was with us, and I know there were lots of other people who popped in and out. Um, and I do want to make sure that you saw, uh, Helene earlier said, Cindy J, you are a rock star. Yeah. Thank you very much. And I do <laughs> want to add too, if you're interested in my book, just go to overcomingdarkfamilysecrets.com and, uh, and that will lead you to the Amazon page, but also you can get okay. some gifts from some other people whenever you purchase it. And I know you also have cindyjholbrook.com forward slash books. Is that, does it lead to the same page or? You know what? It doesn't because okay. I changed it after I spoke to you. Okay. Oh, oh I was gonna. Okay. I was actually gonna change it that, but I hadn't changed it yet. For but. Um, okay. What's the new one again? Say that again. Say OvercomingDarkFamilySecrets.com. Secrets.com, and we'll put that on the. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry about that. No, no, that's okay. There we go. That's you up on the changing screen. your girl stuff and you forget what you told hosts that you're going to do. <laughs> I know. I know. I get it. Um, so, so yes. So definitely check out Cindy's book, overcoming dark family secrets.com. And I want to put that the cover of the book up again on screen. Um, it's a great, great cover overcoming dark family secrets journey from worthless to worry. And Oh, you I'm said sorry. worry. We don't want to worry. We want to feel worthy. We don't want to worry. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. Journey from worthless to worthy. There we go. Um, and Cindy, and tell everyone again because you have you have a free gift you mentioned earlier. Share with everyone again uh, what. And that's get. the five keys. It's a, a five keys to feel worthy of success. And that link is cindyjholbrick.com forward slash five keys. Okay. And so whenever you go there, then you will have um you can download it and okay and get the exercises and stuff okay okay wonderful oh, cindy you are so inspiring i and i love talking with you so thank you for coming on and being a guest again on the show no problem at all thank you for having me kim it's been a pleasure absolutely uh so if you if you won't mind i'm just gonna pop you back down into lobby and close That's out the show cool. and i'll see you there again soon okay okay, okay awesome here we go. Oh, oh my goodness. What are you taking away from this conversation? How is this speaking to you? Are you in the process of are, recognizing that you too are a warrior and healing your own family trauma, or maybe coming to that space of honoring your own voice, listening to yourself, recognizing that, wait a second, some of these beliefs and things I just adopted as my truth aren't actually my truth. Are you having 
signs from the universe left and right uh, that are the complete opposite of what you have somehow allowed yourself to believe because someone else that you do value told you something opposite, right? I just, Cindy's story, what she shared here in today's conversation highlights so many, so much evidence of of what can be the greater truth for us, right? And I love that that first key, and I'm, I'm, I may not remember it verbatim, but I believe the first key you mentioned, Cindy, was about, uh, you know, you have a choice here. You get to choose. You get to, your life is your choice. What a great thing! And if you're in the space of of seeing how you can embrace that, I also just want to throw in there, like Cindy mentioned, she was 35 the first time that she heard that. Don't, don't fault yourself. Don't shame yourself. You don't, you don't need to get down on yourself because of wherever you are when you first start to embrace that and recognize, you know what? I do have a choice here. I can make different choices. I can make new decisions. <sighs> what a gift it is to finally realize that I do have greater choice whenever it is that you finally embrace that for yourself. <sighs> That's a new beginning. That is a beautiful new beginning right there. I just love it. I, oh, okay. So, and I want to just say, let those emotions flow. Whatever is coming up for you, I couldn't hold back. Cindy's story was so powerful for me. So, whether you share with us in the comments or not, what you are taking away from today's conversation, I hope that you will take a moment to self-reflect and to receive whatever nuggets are showing up for you. Journal on it. Let it be what it is, and. Ah, and just allow yourself to receive that. If you'd like to find out more about the Every Day is a New Day show and my confidence coaching, my uh, custom guided meditations, you can, of course, go to, where's the link? Here we go. Go to KimOneilCoaching.com and that's K-I-M-O-N-E-I-L-L coaching.com. I'd love to connect with you and see how I can be of service to you. And as always, remember that wherever you are today does not have to be where you are tomorrow. And those shifts happen on very small, minute levels. Sometimes they're big shifts and sometimes they're the little small shifts, right? So first comes with, wow, I have more choice. Oh my goodness, this person told me something and that's actually not my truth. I choose to use my voice, value my voice, own it, honor it, and do something about it and live that today in this moment and every moment coming forward and allow yourself to enjoy the process of uncovering what is your truth. Mm, mm, I love conversations like this. It's okay. So with that said, you are amazing. I hope you will love yourself and honor yourself even more today than you did before you came to the show. Have an amazing day and I'll see you all again very soon. Bye everybody.